Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 146. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by Colby's Josh Beckman and guest, Bobby Angel. Author and speaker Bobby Angel will be joining the Colby Spring Call to Holiness retreat, but was kind enough to join us for a pre-conference chat. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Hi Stephen, good to see you. How are you? It's nice to see you as well, Bonnie. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, We're starting our week off with a recording. I always like to start the week this way. It's my privilege to introduce to our listeners another member of the Colby Cast team, Colby's Marketing and Communications Director, Josh Beckman. Hi, Josh. Hi, how's everyone doing today? You're doing well. We're happy to have you aboard here talking to us. We haven't gotten you on the podcast yet. You've been around for a bit, and it's good to have you in the conversation today. As this is your Colby Cast debut, would you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and how you found your way to Colby? Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, I started uh, in September of last year, um, and I'm really excited to to join the ranks of just a, such a great uh, group of of educators. And I mean, I grew up uh, the eldest of eleven children, and I was homeschooled, you know, from kindergarten all the way up through twelfth grade, and just had a great experience, you know, being educated uh, by my parents and the community, and it just really formed me as a person, and I. I've uh, you know worked in the web agent the web agency world and and um, you know transitioned to to working into a brick and mortar school, an all boys uh, Catholic high school in in Orange County, and then um, you know recently transitioning to to Colby Academy. So I love just the concepts of this liberal and classical education. I'm a huge fan of Chesterton and Tolkien and and Lewis and I'm just very happy to be able to help bring that to the next generation of 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 young people um, so they can have a very similar experience to to myself. See, I learned some things about you today that I, I had not known yet before. So this is what it took to get to know you a little bit is to get you <laughs> on the podcast, it turns out. <laughs> All right. So to set the stage for our discussion today, here's a quick refresher of Colby's mission as summarized in this statement. Dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, and virtue as the primary and prescriptive ends of education in the Catholic tradition, Colby Academy aids students in acquiring the skills of the liberal arts, assists in forming classically educated students to develop a mature intellect, and cultivates openness to the call to holiness. Our conversation today will focus largely on that last part of cultivating openness to the call to holiness, not just in our students and children, but in ourselves as parents and educators. Our Colby students are invited to take part in a Call to Holiness retreat featuring speakers and activities, facilitating conversation and contemplation on the meaning of Call to Holiness and the fruits that come from entering into that undertaking. As this episode airs, it's the third week of Lent 2023, so we thought we'd take this time to consider some aspects of the Call to Holiness for ourselves. Here to help us do that is Bobby Angel, likely a familiar name to many of our listeners. For those not yet acquainted with him, he's a writer, speaker, youth minister, and homeschooling dad, among many other things. Hi, Bobby, and welcome to the Colby Cast. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're delighted to have you. Thanks so much for coming to visit with us. I figure our listeners have likely seen your videos on YouTube, many of which you do with your wife, Jackie, or have read your books or heard your podcasts or seen you at a conference, any number of things, but those descriptors only do so much. What would you have us know about you? I am a Florida man born and raised in Tampa Bay and uh, cradle Catholic, but really came to um, an awakening and love of the faith late in high school through a really dynamic youth ministry program. And I, at that point I went all in and was super involved in my college Newman center, discerned the priesthood for a few years before meeting the woman who would become my wife and chased around to California. (laughs) So from coast to coast and, uh, Thank the Lord. She said, yes, we got married. And now uh, we have our fifth child on the way, really our eighth. We've got so we got four, three in heaven, and then um, a baby boy coming late May, God willing. And 
have been blessed to be really been part of youth ministry ever since I got out of it in some way, shape or form as a core member, as a campus minister at the all boys high school that Josh came from. So this is kind of a reunion of sorts. We've been friends for about 10 years, maybe a little more. So I, I promise we'll try to keep it professional while the <laughs> listeners here, but no promises. And he sent me a sticker of, of a Colby Academy, by the way, it's on oh, my, good, good. my Yeti here. So Excellent. I'm sponsored. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we're now just full-time traveling, speaking, writing, and the Lord just kind of has kept surprising us with, uh, the twists and turns. Uh, when you say yes to him, it's like, watch out. And homeschooling has been part of that story too, because I came from K through eighth Catholic education and then public high school, public college, and assumed that would kind of be the trajectory for my kids. But it was really a colleague who was evangelizing me about homeschooling and classical education. And it all made sense. Like it really like I couldn't argue with any of the points he was making. And as a teacher, I also felt like a double agent. So I was a campus minister and a, a teacher at this high school. And you just kind of see like how much time is kind of wasted in the classroom and like you may have really good experience of school, but like, what's the point of school? Like, what's the point of education? And we know the culture is not the same that it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. So it raises some important questions and, and meeting several other families, like solid families with amazing kids who are homeschooling and to see the, the abundance of resources nowadays for parents, um, the different hybrid opportunities like Colby included that are out there. It just is like, man, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. And so, yeah, a homeschooling dad as well. Um, and that's been just beautiful, like to have this extended time with my children to be partners with my wife in this, as we figure it out kid by kid. And so, yeah, I just love giving back to, uh, uh students, young people, young adults, college students, and the Lord increasingly has, have is having us do marriage ministry and and things like that. And last thing I'll say, because I can keep talking, is I've also gotten connected with the Catholic Psych Institute in doing some training for their mentorship program, which is just a, a way of bringing a ministry mindset to counseling and psychotherapy. Because I can never spin just one plate at a time. I always have to spin seven or eight. I'm doing this mentorship track, and it really is, is just kind of a beautiful overflow of two of like, ministering and accompanying people as they sort what's been what they're carrying in life like we want peace we really want to be like holy and joyful even if we don't put those words to it so how do we like walk with people in a professional way is something that i've always wanted to give back to since i was 1920 but never had that language and it's like i'm still i still kind of feel like now just a more older youth minister to like now. Okay. Wow. It's interesting how, when we are uh, working with our children on their homeschooling endeavors, that how much that affects us as well. I'm glad it's going well so far. And you have such a, a good perspective on the nuances between, between homeschooling and a brick and mortar school that I think inform your experience for, all for the better. So, and, and will inform this conversation to a, a great deal. Uh, among others, I found your YouTube videos on the cardinal virtues, particularly great supplements to Colby's middle school religion course plans when I was doing those with my lads. And I've gotten a lot out of several other of your videos, so I was delighted to hear that you'll be speaking at the called Holiness Retreat. Would you give us a preview of what you'll be addressing with the students? Sure. So the call to holiness, I'm going to break down what does that even mean? Okay. Like that sounds great and wonderful, but how like that's that's pretty high pressure, like mm -hmm. the call to be perfect. And I'm going to draw from the catechism, like paragraph 2013, where it says all Christians in any state or walk of life are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfection of charity. All are called to holiness. And then it quotes from scripture, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And to a 15, 16, 17 year old, it's like, whoa, like that's that's heavy. Like that's, that's a lot of pressure, especially in a time right now where if you post anything quote wrong, if you post anything out of step, you could be canceled. You could be like attacked. Like it's, it's no 
wonder like there's a high level of anxiety amongst our young people today it's like the the pressure is real and so then for the the church to be like oh and by the way you're called to holiness it's like whoa but what i'm going to do is is break that down with the students it's it's not about rules it's not about this pressure cooker that jesus wants you to live in it's about a relationship and it's about knowing you're loved you're seen known and loved by god the father and that's going to inform your hobbies the things you study the careers you choose or don't choose um the call to be salt and light in the world where it is going to look differently and there's a real tension especially in the high school years middle school into high school that i want to individuate from my parents like i want to figure out who i am on my own and i really want to fit in like i really want to find a friend group and the temptation there especially in our time today is i want to blend into the culture like i want to affirm what everyone else is affirming i want to dress and listen to and watch the same movies everyone else's and to go all in to your faith means like you're gonna have to say no to some things and that there, there's a struggle there there's a struggle to find the good in the culture like to not just be a total um monk and luddite unless that's what the lord's calling you to do like we do need the saint benedicts you know we do both josh and i have known some like trappists and people who've gone that route and we need their prayers for sure but a lot of us are called to be in the world, like to be designers, to be doctors, to be, um, you know, just the quiet daily work of being parents, uh, to be men and women who know that we're loved by the Lord. So it's like, how do we do that in the world and be okay looking different? And I'm really going to draw upon the example of Blessed Carlo Acutis, who is one of the first millennials on the way to sainthood. He died at the age of 15 in 2006. And young Italian boy who loved the Lord, but also loved video games. He was a web designer. He loved Pikachu, like he loved Pokemon. And so here's here's a young man who, from a very early age, had a profound experience of, of the love of God and received communion earlier than he would have because he just was on fire. And his mom could tell like something was different. And it wasn't because of their instruction. The Lord was really doing something in this young man. And he went to daily mass, like like after his first communion, he went to daily mass and would do the rosary as often as he could. And I just was blessed to like read his story on the way to a recent trip to Rome with my wife. And we were planning on taking a day trip to Assisi. And that's where he is buried. And we didn't know that. We thought he was in Milan in northern Italy. Turns out he's in Assisi in this coffin that there actually a side of it is glass. So you actually can see him. And you can like, there's a bench to sit and pray. And it was just like, man, like this, this young guy, like, like I'm so lazy. Like I have so many excuses why I can't make daily mass or why I am too tired to pray. Or, and this like 15 year old, like just went all in. And it didn't mean he wasn't involved in his friend groups. Like all his friends really liked him. Like he wasn't a recluse. He wasn't, he, it wasn't that he couldn't hang out with his peers like they all knew that there was something different about him but he didn't like turn them off if that makes sense like he knew how to be with them and call them to better behavior to, to better language like to not be cursing to to take seriously like the the call to that jesus has for us and so i'm going to use his life as an example of it's going to look different for all of us. If you're an athlete, if you're not really an athlete, if you love computer, like web design, if you love creating websites, like Carlo Acutis designed a website that documented the Eucharist miracles around the world that is still live today. You can, you can access it. And so it, to say yes to, to a life of holiness is to bring who you are, your gifts, your quirks, like your personality, all of it to the table and say, Jesus, I'm yours. And help me be fully alive. And I've experienced that myself. Like he doesn't, and Benedict said as much too, it's not that you become less of who you are. You become more of who you are. Jesus takes nothing away. He gives you everything. He transforms it all. And so that is going to be like my main message to uh, the students of Colby Academy is that Jesus takes all this. And, and the call to be holy is the call to be whole. Holy to yourself. And that's going to radiate outward for the world to see, just like Carlo Acutis.
I really like that contrast that you were setting up there as far as <clears throat> like with a with a teenage with a high schooler student who recognizes that you you make a misstep in the world, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and you're cut off. You know, it's it's the mortal sin that there there is no forgiveness from. And you know, the the world seems to set up the Catholic faith or especially anybody who is of faith, they're the ones who are judging. They're the ones that are restrictive. There's, but as you're saying that it's, I mean, it's not, we, we know, of course, from the inside, that's not what it is. We're accepted within our brokenness. And um, before we were doing anything worthwhile, long before there's a, there's a a love and a a call to us to, to heal us, to make us, make, make us better. So it's, it's really remarkable that the world sees us kind of sees us as Catholics, I think, in a way that that they're acting out themselves as opposed to what the reality is. So I'm glad that you're bringing this to our Colby students. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's much needed message. And coming from someone such as yourself, I think will be highly inspiring to them in, in a way that it gets through in a way that sometimes uh, we're not able to accomplish. So that's, that's going to be great. Uh, Josh, you're part of the team planning the retreat. What else can you tell us about it? Yeah, no, I think what it's, we're just, you know, as Colby Academy, I just think we're so lucky to be able to find ourselves in this position to support and, uh, you know, have this opportunity to, to form these young people. You know, we have thousands of students under our, our wing. And, you know, this retreat is one of those ways that we are focusing on, their call to holiness. You know, we want to create a, a, a safe place for the, for these students to learn more about God and build that relationship with Him. You know, it's it's such it's so important to um, have that personal relationship with God and and to grow in that, especially in this day and age of us being in this apostolic age of of having to evangelize, um, not in the faraway lands, but even in our in our own homes, in our families, you know, our friends. Uh, in the community around us and, you know, eventually the world, if, if, if need be, you know, but that taken on that first step of, of that personal call to holiness and forming myself uh, in knowledge, maybe, but just, just even, even in holiness in, in, in my habits um, so that I can more effectively be, you know, of good use, you know, to the Holy spirit and, and where um, he may guide me and just kind of preparing myself, you know, and that, you don't have to be an adult for that. You know, we're always growing in, in, in different ways. And, and so often God does use the children to, to communicate, um, you know, his will. So just excited. We're, you know, we're going to be bringing in probably about 500 students um, into this retreat. And, um, you know, we're happy that Mr. Angel will be there to present and, and offer some great words. And, um, you know, we're going to have some other, you know, the great guests, Monsignor Shea will be there. Leila Bresco, Sergeant's going to be there. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to to just really inviting these children into this deep relationship with God and continuing to form them as is our focus and mission here at, at Colby. That is great. What fortunate students. They are in for such, such a grace-filled time. Information for how to register for that retreat has gone to our Colby families via email and in our Friday updates. So when this episode airs, it'll be happening the following week. And so registration for that is still open if you're listening when this episode does air, but it's come to you via email or in the Friday update. So uh, families who are looking for that, who haven't yet signed up, can check those those areas or reach out to Colby for help signing up for that. Bobby, I'm curious to hear your thoughts and experiences from your years spent speaking to youth all over the place and working in an all-boys school relating to some of these topics that have come up so far and that will come up in the retreat. You know, um, in some ways, they're always the same struggles. It's yeah. always the same, like dating, um, balancing life and thoughts of further education or career and the anxiety of like, what does God want for me? Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of my 20s in that like, Lord, I'm all in. I have no idea where I want, where I need to go. Like, just tell me and treating, treating God like a magic eight ball. Like, just tell me the answer to the puzzle and I'll do it, not realizing it's in the journey, like it's in the struggle, it's in the um, the day in, day out, and it's in the heartbreaks, it's in the missteps that God allows, he respects our free will. But what I'm just seeing more and more is our young people are lonely, our young people just need more trusted mentors to 
to have access to, to talk with, to be a sounding board. You know, we're more connected than ever before, but we're more lonely paradoxically. It's because there really nothing replaces the the person to person interaction. It's how Jesus taught. Like he did teach the multitudes, but he always had a small core group that we was consistently walking with and sharing life with. And I just find that young people are, and they don't, we're so technologically advanced, but we don't know how to make a friend. My friend does active like college campus ministry. And she was telling me she has so many 20 year olds tell them, tell her, I don't know how to make a friend. Like, how do I, (laughs) it's, it's stuff that's, you watch six and seven year olds and they just see each other in a courtyard and they start running and playing tag. And we've somehow just lost the, the ability to be human together. And so I think for all of us as parents, as formators, it's just recognizing the deep human needs of all of us, family members, friends, religious or not, people who've left the faith, people who I, I had many students that had no faith. Like they had parents that said, I want my kid to decide for themselves. So they didn't raise them with anything. Yeah. So there there wasn't a spirit of rebellion in them. They really had no clue. You could give them the nativity set and they wouldn't be able to tell you who's who. And in a way, that's depressing. On the other side of the coin, it's very exciting because they were like a blank slate. Like They were like, they weren't rolling their eyes at, yeah, yeah, I know that Jesus loves me. They they just were had a genuine curiosity of, like, what do you mean God loves me? Mm-hmm. Oh. And like, tell me more. So where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So there's plenty in the newspaper, the digital newspaper of every day to shake our heads at to make us want to run under a rock, you know, and just hide our families from everything. But this is where, again, being salt and light to the world, uh, we're called to bring light into the world, however small, however big. And it just starts with the the being human together and sharing a meal together. I mentioned that we, my wife and I got to go to Rome to celebrate an early 10-year anniversary trip. And to be in a culture where there is no coffee to go. Like if you want anything to go, they give you like a weird look. Like it's like, no, we don't do that here. And dinner is meant to be two to three courses. You take your time. Uh, You know, with little kids, it's kind of impossible to do that kind of intentional taking our time with our food. So in even, even though this, the, the statistics of active faith in Europe you know, it's it's nothing to write home about. It's still deeply embedded in the culture that you take time with your meals, you take time with your food, fu- your food, you slow down, you be present to each other. So I just see like, again, our young people who are always watching us and more is caught than taught. So they're watching us like, how do we eat? Are we on our phone while we eat? Are we just rushing always to the next thing? Are we always busy? Like, is, is busy just the state of life we're always in? Because that's going to be what they pick up on. So it's just a little ways of asking, like, how am I modeling life to my child? Those are some thoughts that come to mind. Getting back to the call to holiness, the personal call to holiness for each person, what does that look like for us as parents and adults? And what are some things to be thinking about? I'll say that and and having little ones that really, I, I don't think I ever confessed anger <laughs> until I became a parent. Like I've been pretty evenly healed. I'm pretty mellow, but man, and I've had friends tell me the same thing. Like friends, you never thought they would ever lose their temper. They're like, man, kids just like the two-year-old somehow figures out my buttons. Right. And this is where none of us are going to, do this perfect it's more important that we get into the arena it's more important that we just kind of figure it out like again as a homeschooling dad like i don't know what i'm doing i've never finished the odyssey Mm -hmm. and yet it's like well i'm i can read it with my daughter like hey let's let's read this together like it's figured out and if, if i don't know some of these characters we'll look it up together so i don't need to have mastered the class or the the subject to begin the process with my child 
another thing too, and this is some of coming from the psychology I've been learning is the repair is always more important than the perfection. Like again, thinking I'm never going to lose my cool, thinking I'm always going to be, it's like, no, we're not going to do that. Our kids are going to see us frustrated, um, impatient, angry, and even just at other things that happen they're like they're watching our reactions like how are we reacting to our neighbors to unwanted news to our spouses and so they're what they're watching us and and even the the humility of saying like hey i'm sorry i yelled or i'm sorry i was impatient here we're not going to do it perfectly but it's so important as parents that we be willing to repair like the repair is more important than doing it perfectly um to repair the relationship is really what matters more so. And we just, my wife and I just gave a talk recently to parents about like what, like to middle school, high schoolers regarding dating, like what's the point of dating and you know, all the fun moments that come with that conversation and being willing to embrace the awkward like the conversations and even if you haven't brought up the subject you had to say like hey i'm sorry we haven't talked about this before but i wasn't super comfortable but i you know i'm your dad and, and i know we need to have this conversation like the, the the kids will have infinite mercy on you trust me if you were just willing to get into the arena versus because if we don't if we're paralyzed by fear the culture is all too happy to you know, sweep our kids up. And so that just comes to mind when it comes to our own call to holiness is they're watching our behavior and how we talk. They're watching how we pray or how we don't pray. They're watching our witness. And we have to have the humility to always just kind of take the each day as something new and as a chance to start over and as a chance to do a little bit better than yesterday. And our kids will pick up on that. Another thing too is is um, there was a book that came out a year or two ago, and it was surveying all these different faiths and what kept the kids in the faith. And this was from like Judaism to through Christianity to Islam. Was one of the key factors were, were parents who were authoritative but warm. Yeah. So it wasn't just warm, fuzzy, anything goes. Like no one really like that's not going to keep anyone. And if it's super authoritative, authoritative and it's only rules, well, that also is going to lead to rebellion one day, like or just such a neurotic like fear, like of a box of anxiety we're keeping our kids in. But it's like, no, it's for us as parents, it's it's the authority of like, listen, our prayer is important. Mass is not optional. Like your education is important, but it's it's the warmth of like having fun. And being able to laugh, being able to laugh at yourself, to have fun, to to take time away from work to play games with your kid. I'm I am a better dad in the water than I am on land because on land I can like I'm tempted to like look at emails like I can check an email while playing Battleship with my daughter, yeah. <laughs> or like I'm on playing with Legos on the floor with my kid and I'm trying to read a book. Like again, I I have the sin of multitasking, like and thinking I can be present to everything when I'm not present to, to anything. But in the water, it's like you have to be with your kid. Like in the pool, like I have to throw them around. Like I have to just be a horse. Like, so I think of that for me, I'm like, be like an, a water dad on land is how I've like had to tell myself, like put the phone down, stop trying to multitask and just be present to your kid. That's what I've had to challenge myself on on a regular basis. I really loved the aspect of homeschooling when it comes to some of the things you're talking about, and especially like the the forgiveness and um, the, you know, asking for forgiveness. But, you know, it's the perfect, I'm a public school, I've said this before in the podcast, I'm a public school product myself. And that idea of forgiveness and learning to live with people in their brokenness and to not dwell on their faults completely you know we all work on trying to get better and we have to acknowledge those but it's it's really the most natural that i've seen here in the family when i've been homeschool when we've been homeschooling with because otherwise you can just push people off you can you can say well I don't, i'm not going to spend time with that that 
person in my class that I don't like, or um, that teacher that I really don't like, well, she's gone after this year or whatever. But when we're in our house together, there's no getting away from this. So you you either can confront your your flaws, your faults, you can ask for forgiveness and work on being better, even though you know you're going to mess up again. But you know, you just keep working together. And to me, it just seems like that's the surest way to prepare yourself for what's intended, both in your family throughout your life, but also entering into the parish, entering into other places where you don't have that same responsibility that I've got to walk through life with this person. But it seems to me that you're a little bit more inclined to say, yeah, let's not focus on the fact that they think really crazy things. Let's focus on the fact they're there every Sunday, that they're they're walking, they're trying to walk their journey of faith, even though they don't think the same things we do. But we should be walking with them as well. It, it just creates a, I don't know, I think it, for me, it's it's kind of opened up my eyes to to bigger things than just the family, but it's it's the perfect training ground where we show our worst, but we can also kind of show forgiveness and um, and mercy to each other too. Great. No, on the the topic of of being able to parent on land on water, you know, I I've also been spending time with my children. You know, more time reading to them, and and the one that we're in right now that we just finished up was Treasure Island. So having that experience on a boat. Um, but your kid, your children are always watching you. They're always paying attention on how you respond to them or to different to different matters, and that's one of the ways that they're learning. You know, and. Like, like your friend, and I, as you were saying, like anger, not being able, not needing to confess that until you had kids. Like, I, I, I totally get it. And you know, as we're reading through Treasure Island and lots of the boat, different boat terms in there, and and my daughter is just always asking, like, what does that mean? Every sentence, you know, and then I'm just struggling with just saying, just listen to the story. You're gonna get it overall, you know. But just, you know, just the beauty of of those conversations. They're only gonna be there for so long. But you know, it can like, you know, it can like you were saying, it can be very overwhelming to have to worry about, you know, my parenting correctly. Am I, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? And, you know, if something does go right, you know, focusing on that repair um, and, and not necessarily like the perfection, like you're saying is, is important and being intentional and, and them seeing you go through that process so that they, they, they just want to, to know that you love them, that you're care that you care about them. And you're taking that time just to look them in the eyes and have that connection. Cause like even the social media is another, parent um you know uh point here is is like how often are, are our eyes you know really on those little glowing boxes you know whether it's the first thing you get in the morning and they run into the room or or just throughout the day it's just you know being intentional about getting off those and, and really focusing on the on, on the children and um they're watching they care they they want to be loved they they want to know that they're important you know and being able to 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 remind them of that all these things you guys are bringing up are, are calling to mind some of the conversations we've had before on the Colby cast, one being with Monsignor Shea, episode 123, A Change of the Ages. Um, Blessed Carlo Acutis has been come up on the on the podcast as well with Catherine Sweetgard. We'll link her episode as well in our show notes. And just thinking about as we're working so hard day in, day out, us as Colby families and homeschooling families and 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 families of of goodwill. Everybody is working hard to form our students and our children to be the people God calls them to be. Uh, it's coming to mind and, and evident as we're talking that one of the ways that we support our students in this pursuit of holiness for them is in our own parental formation, our, our own development as people that, that we don't just uh, tread water where we are, that we we ourselves as a part of giving this witness that we are called to ourselves uh, pursue holiness and virtue. And in that pursuit, showing our showing our children that pursuit is instructive to them and and helpful to them along this path. So let's um, let's talk about some of the ways that we can accomplish that, some specific ways that we can break that down a little bit, because that can sound pretty daunting. So Bobby, what do you think about that? And have you hit upon some ways to approach that? I tend to think of having been seminary trained for a few years in terms of like the pillars of formation, which were thinking about like forming a priest. And I think this applies to any lay person. There's the human formation. There's the, which was the, like kind of grounds everything. Like if you're not a good human, then all this other stuff is going to get wonky. Yeah. But there's the intellectual life. There's the spiritual life. And then there's the pastoral life. So the activity we do. So serving the homeless, for instance, alongside our kids 
it's just one of the most amazing things we could do of like you're putting it into action like having food supplies at the ready in your car that if you encounter someone you say hi what's your name how can i pray for you giving them a bottle of water etc um so the spiritual life like we've said they're watching us they're watching us how we pray how we carve out time for for mass um how we're honoring certain holy days the intellectual life so are we reading uh, are we listening to podcasts like if you have to commute quite a bit if if podcasts are your thing like are you filling up your day with with things that are building up your intellectual life as well as we've got all the such the abundance of the internet there's a whole lot of junk on the internet but there's a lot of great stuff too so whether it's youtube whether it's like catholic answers whether it's just, there's all, all this stuff and resources out there today um but then the human piece like this is really what's so important is the life of holiness is integration like it's integrating your body and soul so it's not repressing it's not repress unlike repression of our desires of things we don't want to deal with it's bringing these things to the lord and as i said like as we've been talking about our kids really like hit those buttons because we're all parenting in a way that's been given to us that we've seen from our own parents maybe our own coaches and teachers and mentors that showed us different dynamics of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman but we look at our parents and you only can give what you have yeah right and hoping for the mercy of our own children and how we're parenting as well and so i want to say too that when it comes to like our kids and sometimes they're 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 not maliciously pushing our buttons but we're reacting we're not really reacting to them we're reacting to something inside of us that's getting that something is bristling within us that is triggering a response of anger or impatience and for me what's been really helpful is just taking a millisecond and like asking myself like me asking myself okay why am i getting frustrated why am i getting impatient and it's i find it to be less and less about my child and more and more about me yeah. like i'm having a experience of i can't control this child or this child is somehow reflecting me and i'm a bad dad because they're melting down in mass like i am feeling something and i my reaction is to take it out of my kid or to get short with my child or uh, and, you know, whatever the reaction may be, I just find what's really been helping me in loving my kids rightly and in loving myself as God loves me and sees me is take a millisecond, a few milliseconds and say, OK, what's going on? What am I reacting to in this moment? Yeah. It's just one of those things that you, you start doing this, it'll really transform your way of parenting and really start to break open like what God maybe trying to show you in your own life in your own story that i don't really want to look at mm -hmm. you know as, as steven said earlier like we're broken like we're all broken we all have original sin like we all have baggage we're carrying and it affects us in our ability to parent but god can can use and redeem all things and so when stuff is starting to bubble up certain memories our, our kids are triggering something that happened to us as a kid Maybe a cycle is we can see it starting to repeat itself or I am parenting in a way that I saw my parents do that I didn't want to emulate, but suddenly I'm emulating yeah. to take a moment and say, okay, what what's going on here? And to take that journey with the Lord. Like Jesus, help me see like what is going on in my heart right now. And as you with the Holy Spirit and and courage, look at that. Take it to someone, take it to a trusted friend, take it to another parent, maybe a priest, maybe a counselor, because your holiness and that of your family is going to be so much more evident, efficacious, like effective by you being fully you. I do. And it's, it's easier said than done. It's like, yeah, that's great advice. Okay. And now, now doing it is a much different thing. And I have daily opportunities to put this into practice. And I, you know, I'm always begging for the um, the mercy of, of God and my wife and my children. And um, 
but it's it's the only way forward. It's the only way forward because otherwise we're just muscling it and pretending like we got it. We don't need anyone. Nothing's wrong. And the Lord wants bet like wants our our best. He wants our flourishing, and He wants us to be fully alive. John ten ten is one of my most um, one of the scriptures I love to quote. It's not that Jesus came to give us rules, but He said, "I came to give you life and life in abundance." I think it's particularly challenging as a parent because like, I, I really like what you're saying there about examining your response and kind of your motives behind a, a response. Because um, I think as parents, you have some natural instincts where you want, because you want your child to be good. And why do you want them to be good? Because that's, well, that's what our Lord wants them to be, but they will ultimately only be happy if they're pursuing the good. So, I mean, you should be passionate as a parent about wanting your child to do the right things, to make the right choices. So when you've got your child melting down in mass, you think, no, this is not the way they should be responding. This is not an appropriate response. You know, even if they're out of control or whatever, they need to try to find a way to get that to exist in society, to, to be, to, to respond in the right way. But then as you're looking at your response and maybe the anger that's coming up because yet again, he's embarrassing you in front, you're now, everybody sees that you're a bad parent because your child can't behave themselves. And well, okay, let's stop that sort of response. Let's, let's look at that and bring it, bring it back and say, well, how can I help my child to get where they're supposed to be recognizing, you know, depending on the child, you might have more meltdowns <laughs> than not, I guess, but, but let's, let's try to build toward that without making you stop into to math or to, to reconciliation on the next Saturday, because you've completely blown your lid once again, you know? So sometimes those things are driving you to push your child in the right direction, but that respond how you respond isn't necessarily the right the right way. I guess is is what I've experienced often in, in my life. Yeah. No, I've I've la I've had to learn to laugh at myself and to take a moment. And if my four year old is not appreciating the source and the summit of the liturgy, <laughs> and they're melting down, you know, there's just as many parents around me that are also kind of giving me the the look of sympathy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm thankful it's not my kid this week. It'll probably be my next week. Like, so there's also the the power of laughter and the power of just taking it a day at a time. Yeah. Yeah, we all have our moments. And even just noticing the step one, like noticing, I feel frustrated, embarrassed, agitated, impatient. Just the noticing rather than, oh, hello, now I've hit my, I'm here now. <laughs> How did I get here? And and yeah. And verbalizing it. So mm -hmm. quickly say a millisecond of I'm feeling frustrated. Where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. And even that will will help temper like the virtue of temperance. Like you're, you're tempering your tongue. You're tempering like what I'm about to say to my child. Let me hold it for a second, a couple seconds. And then you can actually have a more reasoned reaction to the child. Yeah. Instead of dad or mom getting like again, going like zero to 10, it's, you're taking a breath, you're taking a moment. And um, especially if they're below the age of reason, like they literally can't control what they're feeling. It just, it just, the brain science just shows like, it's like you're inebriated. Like a, a two-year-old is just always inebriated. They're like super happy and they switch to like, like super angry. And then you put a cookie in front of them and they're super happy again. And so, like you're reasoning with unreasonable creatures. There's different challenges later on where your teenager is trying to individuate and they have free will and you're trying to just so much of the foundation has been built and you've got to entrust them into life, into making the right decisions. And that that's scary and that's... Uh, but that's that's again like where we entrust them to the Lord. Like they're they belong to God at the end of the day. And I can see going back to some of the earlier things that you're saying about how the, the kids really are are catching you. They're observing what you're doing. And as as we've kind of moved on to this, I keep thinking so many times I think some of that frustration comes about because there's a recognition that you've you you 
failed, you know, in the past for me, at least that it's like, I, yeah, I, ha I haven't been paying attention. I haven't been emphasizing what's, what's good. And now I'm, I'm upset because there's the natural consequences of me not paying attention to that are coming about. And now it's harder because I've slacked for however long, but it's not too late yet. So then it's going back and whether they're a teenager and realizing, oh, I didn't spend that time that I should have earlier. It's not too late. Let's start that now. Or when you're you're young, realizing, okay, I've he's been jumping off the, the sofa for the last half an hour while I was staring at my cell phone. And now he's broken the, the lamp and everything's a mess. Well, now's not really the time to be upset about that because I knew what the consequences were when I was watching him jump off the sofa and over things and, and do that for the last half hour. And I didn't say anything. So I knew and I was too lazy to do something about it. Now's not the time to get upset about the broken lamp. That was a half an hour ago when it's like, let's not jump over, go outside, run around. You know, so a lot of that in, in my parenting experience of laziness and then dealing with the, the consequences for that uh, lack of activity. Yeah, there's so much like now in my, where my kids are ages almost 13 to um, 17, like so many conversations are, I'm not asking anything of you that I don't ask of myself. <laughs> and I think that is hopefully them seeing me, I've been trying to verbalize more this whole distinction between respond and react. Like the thing you're talking about, taking just a couple of seconds, just, just hold on, just hold your response for just a second and choose it intentionally. What you're going, whatever is going to come out next, just choose that and own that, that, I've been really working on that myself and I've been trying to verbalize that to them too, because I can feel the effects of it when it doesn't happen coming toward me. And I would like to do better at that going in the other direction. I think that kind of ties into the whole growing each of us along the way. And hopefully that's, hopefully that's helpful to them, whether or not they recognize it at this time, <laughs> hopefully that is helping them make some decisions as they take more time. Yeah. I remember a beautiful moment I had in college where I realized intellectually my mom and dad were people too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I had I had the realization that like they didn't come out into the world as mom and dad. Like they were a guy and a girl and they had to go through these big life questions and figure it out and made a commitment to each other and go through career questions and here I am like Yes. It just gave it just like our kids will get that perspective someday. Right. That we're just like a few steps ahead of them and trying to figure life out and, and figure it out and, and with the Lord and putting trying to keep the Lord center. And so, like I said at the very beginning, I, I just it's so important that we just try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We just step into the arena. We're not going to do it perfect to have mercy and patience on yourselves as parents. Um and God will do the rest. And as we've been talking about the importance of, of rupture and repair that you were saying about earlier about showing up and, and making the effort, the inroads toward repairing what has happened just in the course of just humans living as in close proximity, as we do as homeschoolers, it's bound to happen. Uh, the necessity of the repair and the, the importance we place on the relationships. That's something that we talked about with Danielle Bean on episode 131. So we will link that in our show notes as well. You know, just, I think it's important that, you know, as we are focusing on personal holiness in our growth as parents, I'm very proud that we're part of a school, you know, at Colby that we're similarly placing just that, that similar strong emphasis on, you know, the character formation and, and the spiritual, spiritual development of our students, you know, preparing them, you know, not just academically, but like holistically, you know, on the whole, to be more effective in, in how they behave in their, in their journey to become holy, you know, and at the end of the day to, to spread the faith in, in their daily, daily lives. As we're coming to the, the end of our time here together, what final thoughts and takeaways would you like to leave with our listeners? Let me end on a quote from blessed Carlo Acutis because he has been following me around lately. He's been showing up all over the place for me. He's like my little brother who is like poking me like you can pray like you have time you have time to go to daily mass today he said that i'm happy to die because i've lived my life without wasting even a minute of it doing things that wouldn't have pleased god when he got his leukemia diagnosis he 
it was very aggressive and he died like a few days later. So they, they did not have much time at all as a family to process, but he offered his suffering up for the church for um, everyone that we might know the love of God. And he said, I'm happy to die because I've lived my life without wasting even a minute of it. And I'm like, man, I really want to be able to say that. Yeah. Like, I really want to be able to say like in everything, in, in athletics, in study, in leisure, uh, I gave it to God. I gave it to my family. I, I didn't waste time. And that that's my call. That's my challenge for all of us to try to be holy is to take it a day at a time, just little steps uh, to turn that over to the Lord. Okay. That, that ties right into something I think about a lot, that time being a gift. I know that Josh has a Tolkien reference on the tip of his tongue. <laughs> I'll say it for Josh. All we have to decide is what to do with the time we are given. That's a lovely cadence for our conversation here today. Our students are in for a real treat as they experience this retreat with you and our other speakers here are lined up. And so uh, we'll be praying for them as they go through that experience and you as well. Thank you so much for coming to, to do that for them and for coming to visit with us. Your website, JackieAndBobby.com, has a lot of information about you guys and your projects these days. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you have going on and, and point us in a certain direction there? Yeah, so our website will just list different articles, different videos. Uh, we've been blessed to keep making videos with Ascension Presents. And so on YouTube, if you look up Jackie and Bobby, we've got a lot of videos there along with Father Mike Schmitz and the CFRs, the Friars, the, Franc the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And we're blessed to be speaking and traveling and writing quite a bit. So yeah, Jackie and Bobby's kind of the hub. We'll just keep up with what we're up to. And so it's been a gift to be with you all. And I can't wait to be with the students very soon. Subscribe to the Colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.